Man, I'm excited to be back up here with you. Uh, good morning, Arhau. How are we doing? Good. I'm good to see you. Uh, I've, uh, I've been through some stuff recently that, that, that's really caused me to really put my thoughts to paper as to what uh, God has been doing in my life. I want to I ask you a question, and maybe, hopefully I'm not alone on this journey. Maybe there's more of you that have been kind of going through the same thing that I've been going through. How many of you, maybe now, maybe in the past, or you know it's coming up soon because you're starting to have those feelings, you get confused by some stuff, right? Folks, life is confusing, Right? You think about all the things that we go through uh, on a daily basis. Life is full of confusion. I don't like confusion. I haven't met people who do like confusion. If you like confusion, you're probably the one that's causing the confusion, right? <laughs> but most of us, it, we, we don't want a life that's cloudy, right? You know, cl cloudy's not good. If you, you know, if you ever been to like a, a public pool, a rec pool or something, and you see the water's cloudy, you stay out, right? We don't go in the cloudy water, right? When, when the pilot says, put on your seatbelt, because we're going to hit some clouds, we're going through turbulence, turbulence isn't a positive word, amen? Right? When we go through those things, life is full of confusion. Nobody that I know likes confusion. When things don't line up the way that you expect them to line up, it gets really burdensome in your soul. All of a sudden, the, the, the muscles start to tense. Thoughts start reeling through your mind. You get the night sweat sometimes. You can't sleep. Your confusion then translates into some other people getting confused. Pastor, Edmund told, Pastor Edwin told me something once that has stuck with me. He said this, in the pulpit, if it's cloudy, by the time it gets to the audience, it's just misty. So if we're not clear about our doctrine, if we're not clear about what the Word of God says from up here, then by the time it translates to down there, and then when you try to share it with your friends, good Lord, right? Confusion ruins lives. Think about our life in general. Think about this nation. Think about just, shoot, the economy is confusing, right? I'm trying to figure out why the price of oil goes up if we're producing more here and we get our oil from Canada, but we blame everything over in the Middle East? How does that work? And then we throw Venezuela into the mix and somehow they're a part of our... I don't get that, right? But you'll hear hours and hours of on TV on how, oh yeah, it's just common, you know, well, the banks needed to be bailed out, so we bailed them out, yet my, my sister's going to lose her house, but somehow she can't get bailed out, right? It's confusing how things work. Man, check out Donald Trump. That's confusing, right? I've never met such a bombastic, divisive man that is leading in every Republican poll in all 50 states. It's insane. Life is confusing, right? Hey, let's bring it, let's, you know, we're not up where Donald Trump is, right? Let's bring it down to, like, the first floor, okay? Let's get away from the penthouse. Let's come down, right? On Main Street, where we live. You know, they, they, they put a record out last week. They said that the job numbers are up. 
And you know, you know, President Obama's taking a nice step forward. It's like the job numbers are out. I know about at least 10 people, and some of you are in this room, who still don't have a job. So when you hear that the job number's gone up, and you're still unemployed, you don't get that. Right? It makes absolutely no sense. My wife's in here, but, I mean, she'll tell you, I'm confusing. I'm confusing to live with. Man, Pastor Edwin said right, like right away on that one, right? <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, um, it, I, I can be confusing. Shoot, when my blood sugar's out of whack, I get very confusing. I'll tell the kids to clean their room, lock the door, come and eat at the same time. And then when it's not done, I'm like, how come you didn't get that done? I remember one time I told one of the kids, I, it was a movie, and I quoted him. I said, I said, you shut your mouth when you talk to me. And like, like, what? Like, what is, what is that? Man, life is confusing, right? Guys, what about when people let you down? Is that or is that not one of the most confusing things in the world? You had conversations after conversation. You've had event after an event that leads to a relationship that's supposed to be growing as the days go on. Things are fine. Things are moving along nicely. The relationship is getting rooted and deeper and then all of a sudden, out of left field, they're gone. That's confusing. Right? You're here, you're here planning your life out to live the rest of your life with someone, and then all of a sudden, you can't find them anymore. We were talking about this on Thursday night of Warrior Soldiers of Men. The statistics are clear that a dad, if he chooses to stay around, the, ra the rising statistic is once that kid starts needing school supplies and a roof over his head and his own room, that's when daddies bounce. How confusing is that to a little kid? How confusing is that to, to the spouse and the mommy who's trying to figure all that out? When people let us down, it's confusing. When people that we hold in high esteem, when they slip and they fall, Think about the confusion there. Man, Pastor Ray put out a Facebook post. I hope you guys saw it. To pray over the pastors of our house. We all got a target on us. And God, God wants to take us out. Because there are things happening here that only can be explained by God. And since Satan can never shut up the God, he'll try to shut up those who proclaim about God. Man, pray for us. Because when leadership fails, it's confusing. It causes everyone to wonder, what in the world is going on? I thought I had someone that I could go to. I'm having trouble at home. I'm, I'm yelling at my kids, and I'm yelling at my wife. And the one person that I can go to for an accountability, he's not there anymore because he failed. Life can be confusing. Man, when the innocent are exploited all around the world, when people tell people that the only choice they have is one thing, and if they don't do that one thing, their life is going to be ruined, that's confusing. There are so many young ladies who are told the only way to get out of the situation of an unwanted pregnancy is to get rid of the kid. 
before he's born. That's confusing. Because part of our responsibility as a society is to protect the welfare of all that are living. And when you tell someone to get rid of someone before they even were allowed to be born yet, that's confusing. That's confusing for society. That's confusing for someone who's, who's young and emotional and is trying to make the best decision that they can. And they're telling them that the best thing isn't the morally right thing. When an addiction destroys a life, when an addiction begins to destroy the lives of the people that are around them, it's confusing for everyone involved. When the idols of this world take such a hold of us that all of a sudden that idol becomes more important than our God and the things that he's blessed us with, that's confusing. No one knows what's going on. Everyone's wondering where they are. Everyone's scared and worried what's going to happen the next second. You know how hard it is to walk on eggshells your entire life because you don't know what's going to happen next? When sickness wins, when bad things happen to good people, and we feel that God is silent, it's confusing. It's confusing. You have those arguments. You have all those things that are happening. Imagine in, imagine in church where there's confusion. All of a sudden, the one week, for some reason, you feel welcomed and loved and appreciated. And for some reason, the next week, you feel like no one's talking to you. That's confusion. Why in the world does it matter what we read today in the Word of God? You say, yeah, Rob, life's confusing. I get it. What, what is this book that was, was written thousands of years ago, what in the world is that going to do to help me in 2015? I want to share something with you. God's Word is the only sure thing that can change my life and your life. God's Word, written by the almighty, unchangeable God Himself. It is such a love letter to you and I. If you are confused, if things are cloudy, it is the only thing that is going to bring clarity to your life. You're not going to get clarity from self-help books. So once in a while, the people that you go to for accountability, we're going to be cloudy too. We're going to fail you. But the Word of God is more powerful than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is able to cut between the meat and the bone. The Word of God is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. It knows you better than you know yourself. And the greatest thing about the Word of God is that the person who wrote it for you loves you more than you love yourself. So why should you listen today? Why, why should you think that you're going to get clarity from the Word of God? Because it's the only thing that has ever given clarity through confusion. So I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and uh, it's our custom here to stand because we think God's word is so powerful and so awesome. And since it is the only thing that can change your life, the least we could do is to stand up and show respect for God's love letter to us, right? So we're going to read from verses 4 to verse 11. We're going to read it together, all right? All right, one, two, three. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to Him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by Him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are My Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. My friends, this is the Word of the Lord. Amen? Man, talk, talk about confusion. We're talking about life being, confusion, being confusing. We're talking about all these things that seem to be cloudy. You know, I, I heard of a story of um, a guy who trained pilots. And these young pilots, you know, before someone gets to take the seat behind a 767, you know, an Airbus, they got to they gotta start with those little small Cessna planes, right? Those little small ones that still you and I can't afford, right? Those guys. If someone says they're trained to be a pilot, that's the one you go to ask for for a loan. All right? That's free. Okay? So they have, they have this, this small plane they start out with. And the first thing they do, they have to do a ton of hours in a simulator to get the field. So if they crash, they're not really crashing. They go, system error, boom. They go, okay, start over again. Right? And they get thousands of hours in. Then the pilot begins to take them up in the plane. Then after a while, the pilot will say, okay, there's two sets of controls. Now you handle it for a bit. And then all of a sudden, the pilot will be riding with you, and then you'll have uh, your hand on the, on the steering as well, and then all of a sudden, he'll let go. And you'll learn how to ascend, descend, go right, go left, yaw, pitch, and all these words I don't understand, right? But he told me that there are some pilots, the first time that they go out on their own, he says something weird happens. So they'll, they'll encounter their first set of clouds, Right? And so the, the, still the clearest way for them to go out of every other direction on the map is to go through those clouds, right? They say it's the safest. They can't go above it. They can't go under it. They have to go through it. Okay? That'll preach by itself, right? So you're going through those clouds. He says, when you're through the clouds, you can't see anything. But planes, because they're so much more intricate than a car, and because you're talking about being up in the air so you don't have ground under you, you know, there are other options besides just left, right, reverse, and forward. So what they'll do is they'll radio to the tower, and they'll say, hey, um, you know, it's really cloudy out here. I need help. And so the tower will say, okay, yep, we got you on the radar. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to change your, change your course like point one, something really, really small. And then I want you to, to uh, just angle your plane just a little bit this way. We got you. We're going to get you through these clouds, right? And they're supposed to trust, trust the, the, the radio, and they're supposed to trust their gauges. They say, man, it doesn't look like we're straight. It doesn't look like we're getting out of here. Hey, look at your gauge. It says you're straight. It says the horizontal line is straight. Your, your plane is going straight. Yeah, but it looks like I'm going up and down a little bit. I'm just going to move it a little bit. Another course correction. The radio's like, stop moving. You're doing fine. Nah, but it just doesn't look right. Do you know how many pilots come out of the clouds completely upside down? They're completely turned all the way over because instead of trusting 
the thing that knows more than they do, they turn their life upside down. The same thing is true when we talk about clarity and confusion. We think we know where we're going. We think we have, do you realize that the most, the, the, the worst time to think that you have it all together is when you know you don't? Sometimes you'll buck yourself up and go, yeah, I know everything is falling to pieces, but I got this. Oh, man. You come out of those clouds upside down and more of a pickle than you were when you first went into the clouds. If we would trust the one who knows our, the, the directions that he wants for our life more than ours, things would be so much better. When we talk about confusion, I was thinking about, you know, where, where does this tie in to our series on the ghost, about the Holy Spirit? We've been spending weeks, this is part nine of that series, about the Holy Spirit. And I, and I just, I've been, I've been loving what God has been doing throughout this series to, to teach me about who the Holy Spirit is, how it's not something that, that is only um, uh, be able, uh, able to be preached by one, one set of evangelical Christians, that we can preach on the Holy Spirit and, and keep doctrine in the same shape as well. And one of the things that I realized is that if, if we are supposed to read the Word of God and we're supposed to get clarity through the Word of God, We've already been taught that the one who teaches us through all truth is the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to talk about getting clarity from confusion, we got to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? And so I began to search, and I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be all through Scripture about the clarity and what the Holy Spirit gives you, and you read it through all the epistles, and, and the Word of God uh, was encouraging me over and over, but I wanted to find a picture of how this works. And you, I didn't have to go that far. In Mark chapter 1, talking about the baptism of Jesus, we find this. We find a scene that when you, if you've read it, in, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've been through Sunday school or even a Christian education class and you've gone over to Mark 1, you may have read through it quickly. Oh, Jesus got baptized as our example. Great. And then you keep reading, right? Man, think about the people who were there that day. Think about the, the man who's introduced to us at the beginning of, of Mark chapter 1. Think about the crowd who were there to get baptized and those that were looking on. And I want you to think about Jesus. So as we look at this, we're going to look at several portions, several different aspects of that day. And I want you to see some things about how the Holy Spirit brought clarity in the midst of confusion. Okay? And you may say, well, how, how is, how, what was confusing about that? It seems pretty cut and dry to us, right? Hey, you know one of the greatest uh, things that I'm thankful for? Is the fact that I was saved in the New Testament. And I was saved, not only in the New Testament, I was saved about 2,000 years after it started to be written. Because I have all the power of hindsight. I have, I'm able to read the entire Word of God, look at, compare Scripture with Scripture, look at the entire counsel of God. So when I come to Mark chapter 1, I have a lot of backstory. Right? Think about those that were there on that day. And I'm praying for those that may not know that much about Christianity and you're visiting with us today. Because you get to see something that sometimes we're blinded to because we have too much backstory. You get a fresh look that, that I don't have. God had to wipe a bunch of stuff that I learned for us for me to really see what this thing was saying. 
So think about this for a second. So in John chapter uh, 1, verse 1, I'm going to read. It's not going to be up on the board, but I'm going to read quickly because it leads right into what, what we have. Um, this is John 1, 1. It won't be on a slide. It says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And then verse 4, when we started, and so John the Baptist. So those first three verses are introducing someone very important in Scripture. His name is John. And John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, okay? So this guy had a very, very important role. And this is what Isaiah says, the role of this man. This man was prophesied for in Scripture in the Old Testament. This man, this is what his job was. He was to prepare the way it's going to be a, one guy, the voice of one, that's going to be a, a wilderness type of guy, a rough guy, who is going to prepare the way for the Lord and make paths straight. John, a popular name that you'll find called for John the Baptist is John the Forerunner. He's the one that's going to come before. And the one that he's preparing the way for is Jesus Christ. So think about the Bible. Think about how this works. So you have the Old Testament. From the beginning of Genesis, you have creation. You have the fall. You have the first mention of Jesus in Genesis 3.15 saying that, that the one that's coming is going to crush the head of the serpent. And then from that point forward, we see in the Old Testament, we see it coming for more and more information about this coming anointed one, the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. And everyone in the Old Testament had to look forward to what was going to happen when Jesus came. And so as they accepted the message of who the Messiah was that was coming, th that was counted to them for righteousness. They believed in Jesus. And so by the time, right before we have the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, where he tells them about the state of Israel at this point, they're, they're in trouble, they're, they're following false gods, they're robbing God, and all of a sudden it says this, that in those days everyone did that what was right in their own eyes. And then we have silence. Not a few days, not a few years, four centuries of silence. 400 years of silence. That can get confusing. That can get real confusing for those who were looking for the coming Messiah. But don't worry, those that died during that time frame, oh, they found him when they got to heaven. Don't worry about them. But right before Jesus would come on the scene, right before Christmas, God allowed another baby to be born who was going to be related to Jesus. The, wife, the mothers would be cousins. He would be like an, old, an older cousin of Jesus, and his name was John. Man, aren't you glad that God prepares the way for young kids? He knows the very number of hairs on our head before we're even born. He says he has a path for each and every one of them. And so John's path was very specific. His path was to prepare the way for the Lord. 400 years of silence, God in His grace and His mercy was going to send someone to prep for when Jesus was coming. To reinvigorate those juices for those that were faithful those 400 years that had continued to preach the message of the Messiah. He wanted to reignite the passions of those that the Messiah was coming. And so His job 
was to say, prepare the way for the Lord. And this is what he said. I love him. He would would baptize people. He would preach this gospel, the good news of the Messiah that was coming. And for him, the great, oh my goodness, he got to preach and then he got to meet the one that was coming. The Old Testament saints didn't get that opportunity. Some of them had a a, a moment in time where the angel of the Lord, who was Jesus himself, would come down. But John gets to hang out with Christ for a while. And so he's preparing the way. He would baptize. People would believe the message of this coming Messiah, and he would baptize them, signifying that they, their lives have been transformed because of the mercy they received, the grace that they were empowered with, and the one that was coming to forgive them of their sins. It's the same testimony our two guys will take today. They're looking back to what Jesus did. Those that were being baptized by John were looking forward. And so they're there, and they're, they're preparing to be baptized. John says this. He says, After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. John was gaining some notoriety. He was gaining some, some fame. People knew about him. He continued to remain faithful, humbly preaching the word. And as he baptized people, he wasn't saying, you are now a follower of me. You are now entering the religion of, of Johnosity. No, no, no. He said, the one who's coming, the one in whose name I baptize you, is more powerful than I'll ever be. I'm I'm merely baptizing you with water as a mere symbol. When He comes, He will give you the Holy Spirit. He will give you the one. He will give you the... God will indwell you when He comes. I am not worthy even to untie His sandals. That's who's coming. Oh, He did a good job preparing the way for the Lord. Man, I can just imagine John with that. Obviously, not looking at GQ magazine when he got dressed... Got that camel hair, the leather belt, ate, you know, ate, ate locusts and honey, you know, mm-mm, good, right? This guy was really in the wilderness. He, he was that guy. He did everything that he could do to make sure that his humility pointed people to Christ instead of him. Amen. And he said, the one who's coming. So the day came in John, in Mark chapter 1, he came. And he's already been on the scene for a while. Christmas already happened. He's, he's gone through his teenage years. Um, you know, all those things happen. And now the public ministry of Jesus is going to begin. Jesus had been born every way that it said he would be born in Scripture. Everything was going to happen just like the Scripture said it was. And by the time Jesus was coming to, as a, as a full-grown man to, to, to present the Gospel, to present the Kingdom of God and the Kingdom of Heaven to people, This is the scene that we're at, okay? I said all that just to prepare you for what we're about to encounter now. So this is the scene. John is baptizing like like he always does. He was getting a lot of people. The Spirit of God was very strong in John. The message was was being, being read loud and clear, and people were accepting this Messiah that was coming, and John would baptize them, always telling them that there's somebody more powerful coming. But think about the confusion that would happen if you're in that crowd. So you've spent a lot of time with John. You're listening to the doctrine of John, who, which was the doctrine of Jesus, but looking forward to Jesus. And so some of these people, they, they probably were really loyal to John at this point because he was like their spiritual father. And I get that, and that's fine. 
But all of a sudden you have a crowd, probably a crowd of disciples of John. You have family members of people who are being baptized. Some of them are concerned because they're leaving their religious culture of Judaism. Some of them are about to turn their backs on their family for the entire time. There are people in the water waiting to be baptized. John the Baptist is there, and all of a sudden Jesus comes. The one. The one they've been waiting for. He starts coming. The sinless Son of God goes down to the Jordan River. First, you would think, the guy of this glory and this honor, somebody get him a throne. Somebody let him sit up here so we can look at, at this. But no, Jesus goes down into the water. He goes into the Jordan. And the reason why he goes down into the Jordan is not just to observe. He's going into the water where all the other repentant sinners went to be baptized and he wasn't even going to dunk himself. He was going to have John do it. Think about it. You don't know that much about this religion. You don't know about, about much about what's been going on. And some time, already you've been told that the one, the Son of God is here, but he's coming down where I am, and he's going to be baptized? Whoa, 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 whoa. John told me that if I believed the message... That Jesus was fully God and fully man. But now this sinless one is coming into the place with sinners. John, you said that you can't even tie his leg on sandals. He's so holy, but he's with us? This is confusing. The haters up here. Look, he's saying, what is this? Oh, there's their leader now. Yay. What are you going to do? Sit in front of everybody, you want to take all your applause now? What? This guy's not even dressed like a king. What is he doing? Walking down. Man, why, is he, why is he hanging out with them? Why, why is the leader hanging out with the followers? Why, why is he with his boys? Shouldn't he be the one that's in the temple? What is this? And you have John. John knew more than all of them because he's preparing the way for the Lord. But at the same time, he's like, oh, my goodness, this, this is Jesus. Yeah, he's my cousin, but this ain't my cousin. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God, and he's coming down. Why? The, the question had to have been asked. Why is he being baptized just like a sinner? Why does, why does these things happen? Then the Holy Spirit comes down. What in the world is going on? This guy clearly is saying he's a sinner just like them, and then this Holy Spirit comes down, and he's, and he's descending, and he's over Jesus. What is going on here? There's some supernatural alien stuff going on here. This is weird. The message is starting to take shape, and sometimes, I want you to get this, sometimes when the message becomes real in your life, it can be scary. When God starts to move, sometimes it's going to be confusing at the beginning because you don't know what's going on. Hold on, because Jesus is in the water with you. It's okay. He's there. So he's down in the water. Holy Spirit descends. There's a lot of confusion. Here's the thing that I love. We worship a God that brings clarity when there's confusion. We worship a God who brings creation out of nothing. We worship a God who brings order out of chaos. We worship a God who spoke light into darkness. And we celebrate a God who leads us to Jesus and the Jesus who comes to us. And John says in his gospel, this is John 1.14, 
It says this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the light in our darkness. God is the one who brings order out of the chaos and He brings clarity out of confusion. So when Mark tells us that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, uh, Gal- Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, there, there's, no, there's no confusion there. John wasn't baptized by John because he was sinful and needed to be given, forgiven. The reason why he was baptized, because Jesus wanted to show something, and he did it throughout his ministry. He wanted to show that he came to be with sinners. He was sinless and flawless and God, but His desire is to be with sinners. My friends, God doesn't want you just in your formal living room. God doesn't just want to be with you in the room that you cleaned up in your apartment and you shoved everything else in the closet. God doesn't just want to have a a coffee table conversation with you. God wants to get in those closets and to help you clean it out. God wants to be in your den. God wants to be in that garage. God wants to be in those closets that you don't show anyone because God came, Jesus came, to save sinners. He didn't come to bring religion. He came to save sinners. Total difference between religion and relationship. He was baptized. He wanted to be with the sinful. He wanted to be with the hurting. He wanted to be with those who confessed to want to have a relationship with the Messiah that was coming. He came to serve sinners. He came to save them. And to make things absolutely clear, he steps into the water, the water filled with all those who were professing Christ. He's immersed in that water. He comes out of the water to show that he was on mission to serve and save sinners. He says, do as I do. Not because I need to, but I want to show you that I'm with you. The mission is the reason that God sent him in the first place. It's it's the reason why a voice came from heaven and, and God the Father says this. We have the Son on the scene. We have the Spirit come down. Then we have God the Father who says something that is so beautiful, something that really seals the deal. He says this, a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Drops mic. That's what he does. If there's any confusion as to what was going on, why is this sinless sinner in with the sinners? Why in the world is this spirit coming down kind of saying that what's going on is right? This makes no sense. Have we believed the lie? And then God the Father, that is my son. I am well pleased. This is the one. He has come. Think about the the, the vibrancy that came out of those who were wondering if this was real. They've been spending years. They've given up their family. They've given up their friends and they never knew. What, what What if we followed a lie? What if we just got into a cult? We're following a man that's wearing camel's hair. We're following a man that, that I don't understand him. Sometimes he preaches rough. And sometimes he's telling us, and now he's in the water, and we're all looking, the haters are there, the believers are there, they're there, and then this guy that you said we're supposed to wait for, he comes in, and now he's with us. But it's all good. 
Because God said, it's my son. I'm pleased. This is the right way. God's the Father sees God's the Son's taking, taking up the mission and saving and serving sinners. So when the voice of the Father voices His approval, the Holy Spirit descends. He comes down not because Jesus, Jesus wasn't already fully God, but what they wanted to show is something that I want you to get. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit not only work together because they are three in one, they work together on your behalf individually. God loves you so much that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are working things out behind the scenes when you don't even know it because God cares about you that much. The Father voices his approval. The scene could be confusing. But we know God brings the clarity from the confusion. And, and what this does is shows that baptism makes it completely clear that those who follow Christ are those who the Father loves. The Holy Spirit makes it clear that those who follow Christ are the ones that the Spirit is going to lead and guide and indwell and serve and seal to make sure that you never leave the hand of the Son and you'll never leave the hand of the Father. Once you have trusted in Christ, your eternal destiny is signed, sealed, and delivered. You're His. That's what He tells you. You know, it says that all the country of Judea were out, were going out. Because, you know, remember, like I said, John had this following to him, right? And some of them, the haters were probably saying, look, Jesus is, is no different than we are, and he's coming down to be baptized. You know, they don't, the Bible doesn't even say whether those that didn't believe even saw the Spirit or heard the Father, right? Think about those who came down. They were listening to John because they were confused by life. They were confused by their own sin. They were confused by their own brokenness. They were confused by the sin and brokenness that was, that was in the world. But John offered them something. John offered them a new beginning. John offered them a fresh start. Man, what was the atmosphere like there on the Jordan River? For those haters, it was probably still cloudy. Let's just be honest. Oh, but for those that God called out, for those that believed what John said about the Messiah, it was like the lights went on from darkness. They were blind, now they could see. They had this cloudy confusion and it was crystal clear that God's Word can change their life. That God's Word could be trusted over the annals of time. God's Word can be trusted. If God said it, we could believe it and that was good enough for us. That's what this did. And that movement from confusion and clarity brought change to their lives. You never know what happened after that. Fathers and sons could have been reconciled. Maybe sworn enemies began to talk things over. Maybe the walls between husbands and wives came down that day. Life was confusing them, and they had been honest about it. They confessed their sin. They called on Jesus. They repented. And God was saying all those things that you did, they weren't in vain. Because now, I'm going to bring that cloudiness into crystal clear clarity. 
The baptism of Jesus did stuff for us. You know, if you look further, I have up here Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Right after this, and I'm done. Right after this, Jesus is moved. The Spirit comes and then takes Jesus to the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness, 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Do you realize what happened here? Here's the one thing I want you to get. Confusion to clarity doesn't always equal rest. Confusion to clarity leads to growth. You and I have not arrived. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, every day we are supposed to grow in the grace and our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, just as a picture as to what He was on mission to do, He was then sent to the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Those who profess Christ need the clarity that comes from God's Word and from the Spirit of God in order to face the temptations and trials that are going to come. If, you, if you're out there and you're professing Jesus and you're in confusion, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. If you're here confused right now and you think you got this, watch out. You think life is hard now, try going further without first getting clarity from God's Word and His Spirit. Jesus' life begins, His public ministry begins at this, at this baptism. Our, our spiritual life begins at salvation. Our public life in Christ begins when we confess Christ and we're baptized. This is the starting point to everything public that you'll do. That's why we're so happy that two of you are getting baptized today. Because you're showing the world you've decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. You got clarity. Not everything's figured out, right guys? But you got clarity that God is your God, Jesus is your Savior, and the Holy Spirit indwells you. That's, that's a lot of clarity some people don't have. The Holy Spirit brings clarity. It leads us by carrying us our own, by helping us carry our own cross. It helps us between the struggle and, and the temptation. Folks, imagine, just, just imagine with me. Confusion comes into your life because I'm not saying you're not going to have it anymore. It's going to happen. Just like there are going to be cloudy days, there are going to be some cloudy thoughts, some cloudy seasons in your life, and, and you don't know what to do. You start turning that airplane upside down. Imagine having a comforter and a friend who not only goes through the clouds with you, but holds your hand and leads you so that when the clouds disperse, you are standing on higher ground. Imagine safely landing. Because Jesus ain't your co-pilot, He's your pilot. 
Imagine a marriage where there's confusion, there's miscommunication, that the Holy Spirit works in both of your lives to the point that He brings you back together to a point of clarity. Imagine those requests and prayer that you've had for years that are all of a sudden the, the clouds clear because the Holy Spirit has spoken into that situation through the Word of God. But like so many times you've heard from this pulpit before, there is no clarity if there's no engagement in the Word of God. Oh, God doesn't speak to us anymore in signs and wonders. He's given us something so much better. The Word of God. This is what changes your life. Don't wait for a vision from heaven. Wait for, for read the truth that's in God's Word. Oh, He's longing to speak to you. He's longing to provide that, that clarity that comes from confusion. My friends, do you want clarity? Are there things in your life going on right now that you just don't know the answers to? Oh, you're just like those disciples of John. Hold on. But I want to tell you something different than John told them. One's not coming. He's already here. We don't got to prep anymore. He's here. And so you have the opportunity this morning to call on the one who's waiting for you. Those that are going to be baptized are those that have already made that step. But today could be your day of clarity. Maybe you've been confused by religion. Maybe you've been confused by a church. Maybe you're confused in your home, your marriage, your job. This is the day for clarity. And clarity ain't going to come from some any, any polished words that I say. Clarity comes from God Himself, the Holy Spirit. Why don't we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I'm going to ask those to get ready for, for baptisms. And as we're, as the, as, as we're having this moment of, of invitation, I want, I want to ask you something real quick. We've went through a series on the Holy Spirit. We've learned a lot about God the Spirit and what He does in our life. The fact that He points us to Jesus. The fact that He brings clarity into confusion. The fact that He, he convicts. He proves the world wrong. He provides unity. How is your soul this morning? Is it, is it unified with Christ or would you say there's confusion? I don't know if I have a real relationship with Jesus. I got religion down. Some of you just say, I don't even have religion down. I'm here and I'm just visiting and I, I don't know. Can, can, I, can I invite you to invite clarity into that decision? Jesus says that even though our life is messed up, even though our past is full of sin and doubt and shame, and everyone is in the same boat, He says clearly that you can not only have forgiveness of your sins, but that you can have a home in heaven. And through the process from your sins being forgiven and that home in heaven when you die, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, will indwell you and give you clarity. So I invite you, you've never accepted Jesus Christ before. If you say this, I don't know what my relationship with Christ is like. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know any of those things, but I'm, I'm concerned about my soul and I, and I need clarity in the midst of confusion. 
I want you to raise your hand where you are. No one's going to look around. No one's going to embarrass you. If you say, I just need clarity, I need clarity. Thank you, young lady up here, young lady in the back. Thank you. All over the auditorium. Here's what I want you to do. I want, I want you to, just those that raise their hand, I want you to look at me. No one else, everyone else, bow their head, close your eyes. Christians, pray. If you'd like clarity, here's what the Word of God says. God says that Christ demonstrated His love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means Christ doesn't want you to change anything about who you are or anything, because you can't. But he says this, forever whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God says this, if you recognize that you're a sinner and you want to have forgiveness of your sins, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He says that just as you are as a sinner, that God will forgive you of your sins through what Jesus did for us. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus paid the price for my sin and your sin. He basically went on that cross and he said this, I know they're going to sin, I know they're going to mess up, and I know they're going to be rejected by God because of it, I'm going to pay that price. And he thought of you, and he thought of you, and he thought of you when he did that, and he thought of me. And he says if you call on him to save you, he not only promises to save you, he says that the angels rejoice because your life, your soul is secure for all of eternity. You can have clarity. You can have that fresh start right now. So I'm going to invite you to, to join me in a prayer. This prayer is not some religious exercise that saves anyone. It simply is, if you mean this in your heart, the words are just going to help you be able to speak to God. I want to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to introduce you to my Savior, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, okay? Lord, Along with my fellow Christians, I, I want to pray for these that have raised their hands. They're going to ask you to save them now. Lord, I pray in the, with the sincerity of their heart, if you are drawing them, that you will save them this morning. Now repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I should be separated from you because of this. But I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, save me. Thank You for saving me. We know that You are the only Savior. Thank You for giving me everlasting life. Now, everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer and it was the first time you did that and you meant business with God, just a little bit of courage. Stand where you are, please. Don't wait for somebody else. Just stand where you are. We're all friends here. We're all family. Don't worry about it. Thank you. All across the auditorium. We're all friends. Don't worry about it. 